What's good, Footy Culture fam? My name is Matthews, aka Matt, aka Matozinho. Today, boys, today, we got a cheeky guest on the pod. But before we get to that, once again, I'm joined today by Jimmy. What's going on? We're back. We're back. What up? What up? Cleanup crew back at it again. <laughs> yes. Dan next to him. We've been together often lately, man. Yeah. You know, Dave's not here, so we can't have him next to you, but you know, I'm That's happy good. with you next to me. Too. Nice, man. That's <laughs> cool. emotional. We got a man like Chris on the couch. So he's still alive. <laughs> Despite the UV shortcomings, he's still here. I uh, know, fortunately. <laughs> and then special guest, back again, man like Bernardo, hey. a.k.a. Dunlopsh, hey. a.k.a. Dundun, <laughs> or as most of you know him, Brendan Dunlop. Welcome again, bro. There you go. Thanks, back. thanks for having me, man. For yeah, sure, I, I didn't know if I was going to get a Brenzino in there. <laughs> I, can, I can graduate to that. But Dundun, did we speak about that? I wear that in the back of my jersey, or did one of you I show you up? I think mentioned it. Did one of you show up at uh, Lamport uh, to see me run around out there with Dundun? <laughs> we we, we, we might be creeping around. We're recruiting. Oh, okay. We're trying to recruit okay. new players. Fair. We're scouting <laughs> for talent, you know? There we go. Wow. <laughs> Look elsewhere, bro. <laughs> I mean, I got a horrible record in finals. I'm like yeah? plop before Liverpool. Jeez. I am wow. like not good. We lost in the final again. I, I'm one win and five losses in the final. Jesus. And the only win came on penalties, and my wife was there, like, heckling the other team. Like, this is a bad look. Like, <laughs> now I'm like, you got to come back because I can't win without her. Yeah. Good luck charm. I guess that's it, man. <laughs> but, yeah, the first time you're here, uh, basically talking about pre-Qatar, pre-Canada. Mm-hmm. And you actually ended up going to Qatar. Yeah, man. How was that? How did how did that whole thing happen? How did was, you end up going? It was amazing, bro. It was a trip of a lifetime. Uh, I got to work with FIFA, uh, part of their in-stadium production team. Um, so there was a, a stadium host, an English language and an Arabic language host. And there was a hype person in the stands. And then each country had their own kind of like fan MC. Okay, so, so I was one of the 32. Yeah, and, we, uh, we saw some videos like, oh, like Dunlop's doing like the MC stuff. Yeah. Cool. He, when he saw He's like, oh, Dunlop's doing that MC stuff. Yeah, it was I amazing. I think it was one of the videos. It was pretty fun. Like cool. I got on the plane knowing that there was an element like to what I was going to do. Uh, but really, it was very general. Like you'll be on the pitch, you'll do some interviews and you'll do some, you know, presenting which is what they call being a on-air personality just you'll do some presenting but without any details and then land there one day of rehearsals it's like oh yeah you're doing the squad list like the starting and 11 the, they're like well yeah can you do that in your native language in my native language yeah, <laughs> i can do that even though you already have someone in english so i will happily do the whole list yeah. so someone's not butchering sam atacubi's name <laughs> out of the biggest game of his life sure did you uh, get so the estacchio with a, a nice accent in there uh i did I, in fact I, like it just came out i called him the portuguese prince <laughs> and i had people texting me like bro portugal's in the tournament you can't be making references internationally now he's just canadian okay, oh, okay. go home and you can celebrate his portuguese-ness but here he's canadian like, I yeah, it. but it was wild man that game against belgium like i was in the stadium six hours before six hours each game for every canada game and i was i was pitch side which was incredible i was like right in front of the dj booth so for canada belgium i was on the canada side next to the canada bench Mm. and the anthem plays they do rehearsal like four hours before where they bring all the kids out and they just run through how the whole pomp and ceremony goes they light the fireworks off no one's in the stadium except like the 200 people working the game right And that anthem plays. And I like stood at attention. Like it was real. Like the whole stadium's full. This guy got a volley wonder shit. I had a bang a goal in too. I had this frog in my throat. People are looking at me like, hey, act like you've been here before, bro. I'm like, I haven't, bro. (laughs) I I, I did do that. I did do that. Like I thought he I didn't think he was American. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. It was such a different feeling, man. It was uh it was totally surreal. So then when it was real, when the players came out for warm-ups. And like the the Canadian fans were incredible. Right. Uh, Canada soccer f- was worried that there were, wasn't going to be a big presence. Really? They thought maybe we'd have thirty five hundred at each game. Then as it got closer, I think they realized, oh, it'd be more like maybe five thousand. Um, but there's so many expats, Canadian expats that live in the region, right. in Doha or in Dubai or in Bahrain, mm-hmm. and I don't think that they Canada soccer anticipated how many would come because it felt like for that Belgian game there had to be like eight. 8,000 if not 10,000 and it yeah. was packed it was it was like a it was a bowl it was mm-hmm. the just the end it was so loud so when it comes to yeah setting up the team and the, they're going through the they're going through the program and they set up that the you know the roster's coming and it's me and like it comes up just the Canada logo and it's deafening man like I'm like I don't know if I could hear myself. And it's like, you don't got an earpiece. I'm like, I don't really know. There's a 
echo off of the metals, the metal roof. Yeah. And it was like, I think it's it. And it, man, I was like, in goal, like number 18, Milan. They're ready with the callback. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so cool. And I, and I caught that very quickly. It's like, I don't need to say the, the <laughs> yeah. last name. Yeah. I was yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, there's there's video, and I sent it to my wife, and she's like, Duh. she's like, I choked up watching that. Like, have you come down from that? I'm like, I don't know if I've come down. No, yet. I'm watching this video. I'm like levitating. Yeah. It's like it, it, the whole thing felt like a magical experience. You need, so your, was, you need a little highlight reel of your trip. Yeah, I'm gonna have to cut some some up. Yeah, one of the things like. We, the access made it incredible to be close and see things and you know get some video that I wouldn't have got from the stands. But um, FIFA doesn't let you share any of that stuff. I was going to oh, say. Sure. So that's part content. of the reason why I wasn't. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I wasn't. Why, why do they do that? I mean, FIFA ha- pump out their own stuff. Mm, um, yeah, it's it's essentially, you know, it's the same, same with media. Like if I had TSN credentials to have been oh, pitched out, I couldn't do that either. Right. So it's it's kind of, you know, understandable. You it's the same thing. You a little bit for yourself? Anything? Uh, I got a little bit. Yeah, I got a little more that I probably should share. Yeah. I need an editor, though. I need to find someone that can, like, pump out content a little quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, yeah, I've got, I've got some things. The, the core memories, man, that I'll yeah. never I'll never forget. Those are know? memories you always have forever. To, to see the way Canada played against Belgium was, like, Surreal. Crazy. They they, they were the better team against the second best team in the world on paper. I right. know that wasn't the case, but Man. they walked in <laughs> yeah. the second ranked team in the world, right? And they were the better team against Croatia for 27 minutes. Mm-hmm. They were the be- the better team against Morocco for 45 minutes, maybe 48. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Two of those teams went to the semifinals, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, on paper, Canada came home with zero points. That doesn't matter. They they came home with so much more. And I remember saying that with you guys yeah. here, that the, I only saw two scenarios. They mm-hmm. get four with a chance to get out. I didn't yeah. say they would. Or they get zero. Yeah. I'm sad that I was right on <laughs> zero. But it was still, man, something that they can be proud of. And like three and a half years can't go by fast enough now. The no. next one. Well, they next next goal. year now, they're going to go Copa America. Copa America. Copa America. Yeah, America. Yeah, that like, huge. We always talked about it. Like if Canada are going to participate in the Copa America, like, not saying it's going to be as challenging as the World Cup, but there's going to be, if not equal to a little bit, maybe just the challenging is equal as much as with the World Cup. I agree with that. There's going to be the South American teams where you're going to be facing up against, which is going to be pretty good sides. Sure. Yeah. And then North America, like, yeah, you're the best in North America, but you still have to go up against U.S. and Mexico, who are still obviously thriving, trying to succeed. Mm-hmm. So if the next year for them to come up and, like, hopefully they're able to, like, produce something. Yeah. And come out of the group, maybe with four points. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, like it's one year away. Like, we have to look in the short term, but then there's obviously the long term, which is the four years. The super exciting thing about this, because, like, the States have played in Copa America before. Mexico yeah. have played. They always send a B squad mm-hmm. because they don't need that tournament. Yeah. This time, all three of them need it. I think, So, yeah. the competition level is going to be super high. Because yeah. they're inviting how many North American teams? It's going to be six. Eight, six, six or eight. Six? Yeah. Oh, don't but invite I feel that like, many? But I don't know. I feel like for them to achieve... Any of those teams who win a Copa America is like I think it would be is better on paper than be like oh we want a Gold Cup. Oh for sure, right. yeah, hundred percent. Like, you're beating the best better, right? South American teams. You're literally winning like a different continents yeah. <laughs> cup. Yeah. Well, even in women's soccer, this is the thing with the, being Olympic champion and being World Cup champion. Mm-hmm. Being World Cup champion, you're going up against the best teams in the world. Uh, being Olympic champion, you're going up against eight teams. Yeah. Not even the best teams in all the best teams in Europe, yeah. right? That come come out. So. Uh, Canada has a lot to prove at this World Cup, Women's World Cup in the summer, going in as Olympic champions and, and actually now facing a real mm-hmm. test where semifinals would be like a medal yeah. uh, equivalent for, for yeah. Canada this time. So to, for them to get there for the first time, I think the Canadian women's team has a good chance of doing that. Yeah. So now Herdman. Yeah. He's away. He's gone now. New Zealand. Apparently. Whoa, whoa what do you mean? Apparently. Apparently, no, he's not you didn't gone. see the, the Canada soccer came out. Rumors. They said. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. did I kill your Tia? No, no, because no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know if like, the same day release, so same night. I'm like, man, we're morning, six hours behind. Someone update his Twitter. <laughs> and then page. afternoon, yeah. Canada soccer released a statement yeah. saying so that he's same. gone. But like now, I've always been one to say they kind of need something different for them to succeed for the next four years to come up in the World Cup. But even having to prove something in the Copa America. Would be something great to see from Canada. But okay. was is Herdman the guy was Herdman the guy to take them to the next? What saying was past tense like he's, he's gone. Still he's, still he's still there. They came up with a statement. Oh, he is still yeah. there. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> How could you the page? You yeah. everyone. So like is 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 this topic of him leaving, not leaving, like what was your whole take? Take on that. I'm very happy that he's not leaving. 
I think it would be very bad for the program if he were to have left. I think it would have been a real um, setback for the game in this country if he'd left for the New Zealand job, particularly, because I think a lot of people that have come into the sport or have been casual soccer fans, and you probably know a lot of them as well, but never cared about the men's national team. Yeah. And even on this you know, run, they, maybe they were born in Canada, they've grown up in Canada, but that's not their... The Canadian men's national team was never there into the sport or their connection to the international game. So it was going to take something really special to really hook them. And if you do follow the sport and you see New Zealand not on par as Canada, and here's this guy that took them, took Canada to a World Cup for the first time in 36 years, is hosting the World Cup in three and a half years' time and chooses to go to a country like that, I think that would have set the program back yeah. in a, no, a lot more ways than just tech, mm-hmm. technically and tactically. And I don't think that there's many people that could do what he did as well with the, the resources, with the lack of resources, with the culture in this country that it is in, in getting uh, resources and, and being able to you know, make uh, a lot out of very little uh, in a lot of cases. It certainly got better with, as the talent pools got better in recent yeah. years. Um, but there's not too many programs in any division that can make the jump um, that Canada did, the men's team did, between 2018 and 2022. And I'm very hopeful that they can continue to you know, stay on some trajectory to make almost as big a jump to 26. The great thing is, is that that gap is not as big anymore with the other Giants and CONCACAF yeah. and with some of the other teams that they, can, they showed in Qatar they can kick it with. So mm. um, it would have been a huge setback. You know, There's not... One quick fix, bringing in someone like Carlo Ancelotti. Could you imagine Carlo Ancelotti doing the rounds with Ontario soccer and going out to Alberta to have funny. to do luncheons and like that? No yeah, way. It's not like, really realistic, just, too, right? Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not realistic, and I just don't think he's sitting there having conversations with guys like Ek Ugbo trying to say, "Look, Nigeria might be cool, but you really need to choose Canada." I just don't think it's. It wouldn't yeah, work for true. a lot of people like that the same way. So I'm very happy that uh, that turned out to be false and Canada Soccer came out and said that John Herman's stand. Yeah, it just wouldn't make sense for both parties, I think, because if John Herman leaves, what's Canada Soccer going to do? Who are they going to hire to replace him? Is there anyone better that, that, one, they could afford to hire? And two, with what Herman's already done, would it make sense to bring in someone else? I don't think so. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of people that thought Canada got found out tactically and maybe Herman got some things wrong. And he's admitted that he did. Um... The Croatia comment being one of them, yeah. you know, I think um, in, in, in growing up in the GTA, we're all uh, very blessed to have been around people from different cultures. And it's very, you know, very easy to say, like, uh, when you piss off people from that part of the world, like it tends to not go well for you. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like that was the, you know, the wrong team to give that motivation to, oh, yeah. to which he said as well. Right. Um, you know, it would have been very different if it was. Belgium that he said that mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. Uh, people would have laughed and people would have said oh whatever and then look at how they played against Belgium that first game though exactly. right so th- there was a lot of things to, to learn from but I think you know they did a lot of things really well um, and it was a learning experience for everybody him included so I, I do think that come that next tournament come Copa in 2024 um, there'll be a lot of you know new challenges and and things that he will succeed at uh, and push the program and the whole team forward Going into Copa America in 2024, do you see a lot of the teams that we had in the World Cup going to this Copa America, or do you think it's going to be a lot of new players in this team? I mean, there'll be some new players for sure. Kone is going to be a much bigger role, oh, right? Yeah. So, who, so yeah. who's the kind of the next Kone? Who, who's the person that you would want um, you know, to come in and, and make an impact behind him? Um, there'll be a few guys that uh, might still be playing, but probably maybe not in the picture, like Samuel Piet, I'm thinking. So there's always a handful of changes, even use the women again as this example this 2023 team is, is going to have at least six different players that, that weren't on the tokyo gold medal team and that doesn't feel that long ago right mm-hmm. so there's always some bit of turnover but uh as we keep saying you know the, the pipeline looks looks strong um you're always kind of surprised by who the next person is ishmael kone is one of the greatest i think canadian soccer stories in the last 50 years for me fantastic as someone who was hardly on the radar until the last window of what was the most historic qualifying cycle that Canada had ever had. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, who's this guy that plays for Montreal? Oh, yeah. he just came up from like the, it was like the last four. Kid? Oh, he yeah. just scored two goals against Club America in the Champions League. What? And then he goes on to be one of the most important players for the you know the rest of the, the run and to get to Qatar. Someone that maybe you know could have had a, a bigger impact and, uh, and changed things around for Canada if, if he'd had a bit more 
you know, experience under his belt, or was it maybe a part of the the program and the run of things earlier? But definitely a guy that you see at like at Watford now and think, thank God yeah. this guy's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, he's it's getting exciting. some crazy shouts comparison. I can't remember who it was. Was it to like Yaya Toure or something? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's crazy. I mean, if you if you could have like half the career that Yaya did, then that's uh, <laughs> insane. That'd be amazing. It's a lot of people would snap your hand off for half the key career of Yaya Toure. Yeah. But yeah. that's what's so exciting, right? That we're talking about. Ishmael Kone in you know in the championship. Watford's going to be in the Premier League next year. We're talking about Stephen Estacio winning titles and playing in the Champions League. Yeah. Tejan Buchanan um, playing in the Champions League. You know Kyle Lahren bagging goals in La Liga now. So you've yep. got something to Beautiful watch on Sundays at four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's. I, I just love too that I, I think it says a lot that when a team recognizes here's someone that obviously has the quality and just needs to be treated like a star player mm-hmm. and goal scorers. Our star players, mm-hmm. yeah, and I just don't think that you know Bruges felt that or didn't see that or had enough, of, you know, of of treating other players that way. So it didn't kind of do it with him. And I just feel like you know Valladolid rolling out the red carpet for someone who's you know all time leading goal scorer for his country, his national team. That's how you treat a player, and instantly he's made an impact. So man, I think uh, I, I bet right now Valladolid's going to stay up. I really yeah, do because they're wedding relegation right now. Yeah, they're, they're on 15, the cusp. Yeah, or, yeah. or sixteen. So he went to go hug Ronaldo after that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah OPR nine gave him some pointers, man. Some tips, yeah. Oh, that's Imagine right. That. Uh, yeah, oh, you don't watch the Zone documentaries, bro? I watch, I Come on, watch man. <laughs> this guy's still watching his Serie A halftime shows on Rye. <laughs> the football TV. <laughs> yeah, he's like, just, oh, he's watching his uh, Roberto Baggio VCR tape still, bro. Uh, is it weird for you not to watch Match when the game ends, though? Just like, yeah, a little bit. It's, it's or like, like or like everyone loves Raymond. Yeah. Oh right, right. Or uh, who's the guy that's always traveling with lemons? Rocco. Is it, oh, is it Rocco? Rocco it's like every uh, yeah yeah. But like, I love all of the. Uh, he's got a cacio e pepe that's with with lemon instead. <laughs> and he's always pepe. about like rubbing the lemon on the bowl. Like oh, don't put it in the rub it on the bowl. Like okay, I've tried a few of them anyway. <laughs> But yeah, like this, this Canada team is always looks like there's gonna always gonna be improvement. Like it's not gonna yeah. be a, a established and stable team like a lot of these like top ten teams or like Belgium for example. They took they took the same twenty guys to the, every single tournament they've been to the last ten years. Ten years, yeah. and look where it's gotten them now, right? Well, that's but that's a bit of a rarity in itself. And yeah, that, for like, sure. I mean, Helps Brazil do doesn't do that. But Spain doesn't even do that. that doesn't, right? That's what I'm saying. Like that doesn't help. The growth of the nation, as well as the players, to give them opportunities to different players here and there. Like obviously, they're world class players playing for Belgium, right? But there's always room for improvement. Let's say someone is out of form, or let's you know, try something else, try something else, a different. Like, but they they were playing the same formation, Belgium. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> forever. And like surprisingly, like not surprisingly, so I didn't think they were going to do that great. Yeah, but ranked second in the world and performing like that in the World Cup. Yeah, pretty disappointing. You know, not not taking anything away from Canada because they played amazing, but. That made, we looked really great, really, really well against Belgium, which maybe was a little bit overwhelming going into against Croatia and Morocco thinking like they were weaker sides. Sure. But definitely 100%. You can definitely see that. We all saw that Croatia and Morocco were way way above Belgium. Belgium's level. Yeah. A lot lot more, a lot more. So Jonathan Zorio said that too, that after that Belgium game, they all felt like, man, we're going to win the World Cup. Like, look look what we just did with the second ranked team in the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like. You know, it, one moment of, of magic, and it was uh, Eden Hazard had been decent in that game, but mm-hmm. crap. And I thought, like, yeah, yeah. how are you wearing the captain's armband? <laughs> and I spent a lot of time with some Belgians in Qatar, and they, everyone I met that was from Belgium said that Canada was the team they were most afraid of in that group. Interesting. And to me, that was such, like, a compliment. Well, yeah, for <laughs> like, Oh, I, I think I even said that. I, the first <laughs> like, oh, time really? I heard that, I went, oh, well, thank you very much for that. <laughs> And they're like, oh, you don't agree? I'm like, no, I wouldn't agree because we don't have a very high opinion of ourselves yeah. as Canadians. Yeah. And we've never been here before. Exactly. And I just choked up listening to the anthem in rehearsal six hours before <laughs> the, the, the game. So, yeah, I, I have some doubts. Like, let me tell you about CONCACAF, bro, why I have doubts. How much time you got? Put some Jan Arden on. <laughs> so, of the whole World Cup, obviously you saw live, which player was the most, um, I guess, like let you down or really wasn't like, let me down. I wasn't performing to the, what you expected. And like what one player really outshined and was like, wow. Like, you know, like he came to the World Cup and was like ready. I'll tell you who let me down. And I didn't expect to say this. Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect to, to say this. I went to Uruguay, Portugal as a fan. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I was in the front row of the upper deck. And the entire 
upper deck was was flying Portuguese flags and wearing Portuguese jerseys. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there with my cousin, and we were amongst the very few ethnically Portuguese people up there. Yeah, everybody from all over the world loves Ronaldo and loves Portugal. For sure, yeah. and that was cool to see. And you see it with Messi and Argentina mm-hmm. as well. I get that. Um, and the atmosphere in that stadium was amazing because you had probably three thousand, maybe five thousand Uruguayans, like a thousand probably traveling Portuguese, and then the rest of the stadium. It's just this global mishmash of Ronaldo fans and Ronaldo supporters. And watching him play against Uruguay, I f- feel like I saw for the first time something I neglected on TV forever because I didn't want to believe it, that he just he doesn't press and it lets the team down. And I, there was a few times where I just thought, this guy's like me out there. <laughs> I have no endurance to press. So that's why I just float up top. But you're Ronaldo, man. Like There's just a few things I just felt like he could have – been a bit more aggressive at and done a little bit better. And that was the game where he tried to claim the header off of his hair. Yeah, yeah. They didn't touch, right? And it was like, I wanted to see something more. And also feeling like that might be my last time um, see seeing him. him in person. I was supposed yeah. to go to Italy the week the world shut down for COVID. Oh, yeah. I had this great boys trip plan. Yeah, I think I said about us yeah. said on the last mm-hmm. show. And so even when even when I went to Europe, I went to two menu games. And yeah. He didn't play either of those games. Oh. And those are the last two games where like him and uh, Ten Hag were not like connecting anymore right right so it was a game against city where they lost 6-3 he didn't step on the pitch at all yeah and then the game where they beat tonham where he ended up leaving early so i was at those two games and he didn't bother playing but my brother was able to see him at in the against sheriff during the champions league game okay there you go tell the grandkids i saw ronaldo score in europe oh yeah well who's against oh sheriff Sheriff. oh amazing police officers yeah so yeah ronaldo man Good luck to him and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I would say I was I was disappointed to see that in person. Um, I also was disappointed that I didn't have the opportunity to get like closer for any of those games. Mm-hmm. I often thought like, what would I say if I was like <laughs> if he's just walking through in the tunnel? Like, what I I have to stumbling say something on your own words. Like, yeah. Portuguese? <laughs> would I say like I mean you might Portuguese? What would I say? Like, yeah. Just tell the guy my mother's Portuguese. Yeah, <laughs> ask him how he is. What would I say? Uh, come to MLS. Yeah. <laughs> See my tweets, man. You should play with Insigne and Bernadeschi. You'd be amazing. Do you still think he's going to play at the World Cup when he's 40? Yes. His last pod, you said you he, think he so? was. Uh, I do think so. Uh, I do think that he's he's just so... If he's still playing professionally... He's there. He's there because I, I think that he has... And this has been a, a bit of a detriment, but he has the respect... Of like everybody in the room, yeah, and they idolize him. So, what player in that room wouldn't want to say whether it's Rafael Leao, who's I don't know what, how old he'd be at that age, twenty five, mm-hmm. or the next twenty year old? There's always there's some one the ne- the new Gonzalo Ramos behind that wouldn't want to say I played with Ronaldo. You see this in the NFL with guys are like they know that might be a better quarterback, they would give them a better chance. But if they could win a playoff game with Tom Brady, a forty five year old Tom Brady, they're signing up for that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's it's um. You know, that fight and fire with him is never going to die. He's going to have to change the way he thinks about his role and his impact. And that's yeah. something he didn't seem to do early enough. Certainly didn't want to do at United. Uh, and now he's in a situation where he's just printing money in Saudi Arabia. But after the first couple of games, no one's talking about it. Looks, mm-hmm. I've, I've yeah, actually seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of Saudi Arabian fans or Al-Sad fans actually like kind of pissed off at his performances. I just on Twitter, just saw them like, like we paid this much for this guy. Yeah, this well, they money. are sad, but they're Al Nasser fans. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah Al Nasser, wrong team. Whatever, whatever team he's Sorry, on. bro, you just stepped into it. Yeah. I, had to, I had to pull it back. I'm like one of the few people that's like a semi Saudi soccer expert uh, because okay. I because when Sebastian Javinko went there, oh, uh, okay. I caught myself like the eight hour time difference worked to like my advantage oh, yeah? uh, a lot, uh, particularly in breaking news like in oh, yeah like google okay. translate and the arabic is very very effective <laughs> i learned that a few years ago so this also came in handy at the world cup there you go um but i saw the my first night in bahrain it was the uh, riyadh derby al nasser against al hilal and sebastian javinko had just moved there and we're walking around bahrain and there's this tv projecting on the side of this giant concrete wall and there was like a, a bar patio um, which you wouldn't have known if you didn't hear the match broadcast. And I just look up, r- noticing immediately this is a game, and there's an ISO of Javinko. Like, what is this bar? We got to find a way into this bar. <laughs> so we sit down, and we're with all of these Saudis in Bahrain, 
with hookah and drinking beers and watching the Riyadh Derby. Um, so Al Nasser's been on my radar since 2019 when Javinko went there. <laughs> OG, um, eh? OG, yeah. OG, I was the OG <laughs> Al Nasser guy, yes. Um, but what are your thoughts on uh, Martinez now and the future for Portugal? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm hopeful that things won't be as bad as I feel like they could be. Um, also, the Belgians that I met, every one of them said that losing Martinez was a travesty. Which blew me away, really, because they all they all felt as though they didn't deserve to go to that World Cup in Qatar with him. That him staying, because I thought after the Euros, there's not a not a chance in the hell Roberto Martinez is still there. This team probably isn't going to win the World Cup in Qatar, but you you wouldn't be shocked on paper had they gone to the semis, like leading up to before you saw who was on the paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the idea of this World Cup coming not that far away from the Euros when they seemed like they had a team to really challenge their one semi-champions. Mm-hmm. I, um, I just felt as though he, that was it. That was the end of the road for him, the Euros. And then they go to Qatar and just, the, yeah, the reaction from Belgium that they were so, they felt so fortunate and undeserving of him at that point. Wow. That the players had let the team down and let the country down. It wasn't actually him. Okay. That leaves me somewhat hopeful that as a non-Portuguese person coming into a program that also has kind of got a little stale, and that's not all on Fernando Santos, but I think um, they needed a bit of a refresh as well. So I'm hoping that here's someone with a bit of familiarity, at least uh, with the culture. He's not not com- it's not a complete you know uh, blank canvas for him or or uh, a confusing situation. Um, I do think that uh, you know he's going to bring something to that program that they have lacked as well. So I hope it can come together on the pitch with yeah. the national team. Hopefully he doesn't continue his name as a serial bottler for uh, generate like golden generations. Yeah. Because Portugal's, Portugal's next four years look pretty good. Yeah, strong. this is probably Maybe the like golden generation talent, right now, man. Yeah. They, they have a ton of talent. I mean, you look at uh, you know, Gonzalo Ramos is someone that very few people uh, weren't watching the Champions League knew anything about. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, you know, I never thought I'd be wearing the hat of the biggest bank in all of Western Europe. Yeah, <laughs> right? but the Bank of Benfica just keeps mil. cashing <laughs> in. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, but going back to Team Canada, which player really underperformed? You think for Canada underperformed? Um, I mean, I had hoped that Kyle Laren would have been able to have a bigger impact mm-hmm. when he had come on. Was it against Belgium at the end, and then he'd come on? Because uh, he started for not Croatia. against Morocco. I think he. Against Croatia, I had hoped that we would see qualifying form Kyle Lahren. Um, it's unfortunate that that move to Bruges yeah, didn't work out for him. Yeah. I'm really happy for him uh, at Valladolid now to have started with such an impact and made such an impact from the beginning. I think I really do think he he's someone that can hit that ceiling he had at Besiktas. I thought for the form that Jonathan David was on for his club, I expected more from oh, yeah. him at the World that, Cup I think as well. That's one player we all mentioned was Joe David. Yeah, Joe because he for didn't sure. like stand out for us. He wasn't like no. a, like visible. No, he wasn't. It was yeah. mostly like wing play, wing play, wing play. But like, who were they looking for? They're swinging that ball into the box. But Joe David had there. a lot of the ball. Yeah, yeah. Like David was driving the ball a lot, but it wasn't the same kind of Joe David we saw during qualifiers. Obviously, the competition is a lot different compared mm-hmm. to what we were going up against, but. It was like he was always kind of like behind. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't really a, like an option going forward. Yeah, he did, he wasn't playing to his level, right? No. And he wasn't able to be involved in the game the way you've expected him to be and the way we've seen it before when Canada's been really successful and he has been the club level begging goals. And you, it, I think it made other players feel like they had to do more. Alfonso Davies did a little too much mm-hmm. against Croatia, the, the too much against Morocco as well. And if Jonathan David was on form, then... Maybe you don't have that. So it had a bigger impact on the team, I think, than maybe some some other guys. I thought Kamal Miller was amazing. I think that's one, the, yeah. the that's one player we all mentioned. Was he, part of that one mistake, he was, he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Yeah. He was outstanding. Um, Stefan Estacchio was a massive loss. It was yep. very, very yeah. clear that the tournament fell apart for Canada when his knee fell apart or whatever injury it was, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is unfortunate for him. But it just shows you know how important he can be. And I think... You know, there's one player. Talk about Copa and coming up against different styles and being in different environments. He's gonna thrive mm-hmm. in Copa yeah. America. There's a, a handful of guys I think that are built for that. Um, you know, if, if Lucas Cavallini can get back to a big level, there's someone that could thrive in that space too. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll be a little older now. Jonathan Azorio, though, in, in two years' time, I think he'll still be 
uh, key in the midfield, that's someone that I, I'd be excited to watch at oh, yeah. Copa mm. as well. I think Larea is going to thrive in. Yeah, I think Richie's yeah. going to be nice, man. He has that dog in him. Just because of his yeah. feistiness. He, he does, but uh, they can get under his skin, though, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, he might right? get a couple cards. The, the, dark, the dark arts of CONCACAF yeah, are one thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's a little different in, uh, yeah. in Conmebol. And but I think that's that, the thing, because he was playing more of a right midfield role in the World Cup. Richie. Yeah. Wing, wing back. back. Wing back. Wing but back. like, that, well, did he play all three games? I forget now. But even yeah. Davies, he was he was played in different positions every single game. He was game, all over it. Right? Yeah. So that's something we kind of need to like establish going into this tournament. Like, what's our identity? Like, how are we going to go into it every single game? Like, obviously going against Croatia, Morocco, and Belgium, like, they're all different teams. Mm-hmm. They all play very different football. Mm-hmm. Maybe we were kind of playing against them. We're like, unless kind of like going with our own style and going up against them, like with what we got. Mm-hmm. We kind of like Herdman changed the things a lot just to kind of like balance it against what their opponent was. Cater to the opponent. Yeah. yeah. So going into Copa America and then obviously in four years from now, I feel like we need to like establish like you know what, where are we using our players in their best positions and mm-hmm. what formation? Because using Davies as a right winger, as a left back, as a left mid, as a striker, sometimes in qualifiers, like yeah, he's a, our best footballer, but. Where is he the best, and where can he provide the best for the rest of the team? Yeah, right. It's not like you're only going to be like you'll pass to the pass to David, like you know, pass to the Italians, pass sure. to the Italians, like yeah. you know, kicking and screaming. But like, <laughs> I know Davies is the best player, but it's not like you know, just look for Davies, look for Davies, look for Davies, because you know it's what's going to be the best for the team when coming up against whoever. But sure, it's a tricky thing to solve. I mean, Herdman played him at left back against the United States before the pandemic in that second game uh, of the Nations League. And if they had won in Orlando, I think even if they'd drawn, but I think they needed the win, then they would have been automatic top six and they would have been in qualifying, which at the time was just the the hex. Yeah. And thanks to the pandemic, it became eight. They had a chance. They qualified. It was amazing that it worked out that way for them. But he was criticized for playing him at left back instead of playing him as a forward. Mm. And afterwards, he said, he's one of the best left backs in the world. And it allowed me to put other guys on the on the field to, field to field what he felt was like his strongest 11 bodies mm-hmm. so it's hard when you have a player i think like davies that is so dynamic that is leaps and bounds above a lot of other players in any position that it's trying to find you know the, the right pieces to get just the best 11 guys on the on the pitch it's true a lot of our players are versatile like that yeah Lester Johnson he plays center back right mid right back right wing back he's very versatile but like where is he at his best and I think for now for Celtic he's playing more of a right back yeah like right mm. back role instead yeah. of a wing back role which mm-hmm. I think is probably the best for him mm-hmm. and are we going to stick to this three at the back you know or is, is it going to be a little bit too slow now that we have Miller no even uh, Victoria probably not going to be able to be uh, an option anymore I don't think Victoria will be an so, option yeah because he wasn't even playing the last game I think right the I think he'd had a knock maybe the last game yeah. but the center back and defense was the biggest concern going into Qatar mm-hmm. and I think you could see that mm-hmm. that um you know they just weren't quite at that international level it was good for CONCACAF um but there was even some nervy moments in that qualifying campaign yeah. where you thought oh this is going to be you know the the weak link that back line, um, but Kamal Miller was one of the best players for Canada at the yeah, World Cup. Uh, Stephen Vittoria I thought did a great great job. Um, there's someone who I'm surprised is not playing in MLS and not able to, um, you know, maybe play at a, a bigger club in Portugal. He seems like he's always on a relegation fighting team in the, <laughs> in the Primera Liga, and I'd like to see him, you know, get uh, maybe get one last ticket, a chance to win a title somewhere. But um, I feel like it'll come. I don't know. I can't tell you who who it is. No, they'll for be sure. there next. I think every 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 part of our team needs a little bit more of improvement. Like <laughs> obviously the defense is getting a little bit older with Victoria. Yeah, Borian is he going to be there next year, next no. four years? Probably not. No. We have we have not better, but we have options on the bench. A lot of options. Max right? Cre- Max Crepo yeah. would have started at this World Cup. Crepo, one of those games. There's the other yeah. youngster. I truly too. believe that. Saint if he didn't break Saint his Claire leg, too, Dane, right? Dane Sinclair will be a, will be a World Cup caliber. So, Goalkeeper very soon as well. The yeah. midfielder, you know, already there's a lot of players coming into the midfield. And then going forward, you know, there's Joe David, who's obviously he's going to be at a, his prime, hopefully, when the yeah, World yeah. Cup comes up. And then Davies, too, like primes, Buchanan, primes, hopefully. But it's just like, are we going to use them at their best and in their best positions? My whole life, Canada's been trying to find an identity. This guy wanted it in one world. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I just wish we had an identity. <laughs> but it's weird though, because like, I hope we, by 24, we got an identity. Because <laughs> Buchanan, too, he plays right back for uh, Bruges. 
He plays all over. Back. Center back too. Center but back, center right back, back yeah, right mid, it's, right it's, wing. It's unfortunate because like now then you go up and set up the team. I'm sure Herdman's like shit. Like these guys can play everywhere. Right. But like now it's a little bit more difficult for him probably to kind of set up the right eleven. That's what I'm saying. And and, and I think like D- Davies being one of the key cogs in that difficulty in finding how to get the yeah. the best out of the lot that you have in front of you. But that's a great problem to have, man. And I, so? I do think that Good he's a guy that man. can figure that out. Yeah. I think he's a guy that can figure that out. And I think it'll become easier as they have more tests uh, against different opposition. They like, need, they need just not being able to play nations outside of CONCACAF, man. That game against Iran, you know, was, was blown up for a lot of reasons, geopolitical reasons. From a soccer perspective exclusively, that would have been a phenomenal test for mm-hmm. Iran. Exactly. Uh, for Canada to go up against Iran. Yeah. Uh, play a completely different side, an unfamiliar side to a lot of those players, um, and someone I think that tactically would have really tested and pushed them. And they got that against Japan, and they looked pretty good. They got that to a much lesser extent, and it wasn't also the same team against Bahrain, but just in the sense that it was a completely different style. I think that prepared a few of those guys. Jonathan Azorio, I think Laren were maybe the only guys that got some minutes in that game that ended up playing the World Cup. But like, you need more of those games. So I, I love that Canada soccer is at a point now where these bigger nations would take a game like that because that wasn't the case most of my life. For sure. Oh. 9%. Yeah, I don't remember them playing any teams like that at all. No, there's like there's Getty images of D-Row going up against Ronaldo when Canada played Portugal <laughs> in like 2006. Uh, they're wearing that the old Nike with the uh, with the big circle. Total yes. 90. Uh, the, the circle numbers. Oh, yeah, the co- nice, oh, with those COVID-90s. They're what, wearing Umbro? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'll be rocking Umbro. Yeah, yeah. I think Canada was wearing Adidas then. It was that far back. Oh, wow. Canada was wearing Adidas in those, in those pictures. Yeah, nice. yeah. But they're really like in between that period, the mid two thousands, and now you weren't going up against a list team. To get Panama was a big deal for a friend. Yeah, it was so, always like the mid North American side. I think. I, think, America. I yeah. think you'll get what your 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 wish that they'll find their identity as they go up against these wish. bigger, better <laughs> yeah. opponents. And they want true wish. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> But uh, just going back to Qatar, was this your first World Cup that you've attended? It was my first World Cup, yeah. I went to the Euros. I saw Portugal beat uh, France uh, in the final. I went to Paris for 24 hours. I felt like Drake. <laughs> um, and just getting there to the final was, you know, that was a trophy for me. Yeah. And uh, I felt like the trophy for Portugal. So to see them win was unbelievable. But the World Cup, man, was, you know, there's nothing like it. Different I keep kind saying, of like core memories and it was also like totally different world cup like we'll never see this again i i was meeting people constantly that went to two games in the same day like you'll never do that anywhere else unheard of you know and what working it and and when canada wasn't playing i was doing tsn radio Mm -hmm. i did every tsn radio uh broadcast that wasn't a canada match day and when i came back i was doing it in studio here and we do two hour shows in studio while i was there it was considerably less I'm running around, and, and I wasn't often in the same place. I wasn't able to be in the stadiums for a lot of these two. Um, so I was burnt out, man. And, like, uh, a lot of people who worked it said they weren't totally prepared for the grind that it was, regardless of what their job was, because in a normal World Cup, you would have days that are just travel. Right. And then, mm-hmm. therefore, it's it's somewhat of an off day. And you didn't have that at all. So there was, you know, I never went to bed before 3 a.m., these oh, 10 o'clock kickoffs were heavy, man. man. Um, I saw the sunrise way more than I should have. <laughs> um, there was a, there's a, a prayer call that would go before like before 5 a.m. every morning, like 4.52 or something. And it became a thing. I'm like, I got to get to bed before the prayer call. Like, I can't hear this yeah. prayer call. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't going to wake me up because if, I probably went to bed at 4.40 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I could just be out. But I got to get to bed before it. And if I'm, I was writing for Canadian Soccer Daily and like, there's the prayer call. Oh, man, I missed it. I, I, sh- I needed to finish this up sooner 200 more words on some qatari experience that i was <laughs> yeah. trying to pen for the website yeah and you were there for how many days or how long i was there for i think 15 days i was there for days. two weeks i was there for as long as canada was in the tournament and i flew home the morning after the loss to morocco so uh. i knew i was only going to be there as long as canada was there that was that was part of the deal all of uh, our the, you know, the nation mcs um they were there as long as their, their team was there and they would be out very quickly that's what we were told so, uh, you know, went to bed sad after Croatia, knowing the tournament was over, and woke up to my flight details. That wow. quick, quick. Did the experience feel like it flew by, or like did you kind of get to like soak in the whole thing? I uh, I feel like I, I really tried to, uh, you know, soak it in. I, I tried to have some moments, um, and I got some really cool moments. 
um, in not doing radio for the earlier games that would have yeah. been like 5 a.m. here, I was able to kind of get out. Uh, I've watched games in different places. Um, and the souk, which you saw on TV where the studio was for TSN, that whole souk marketplace. Um, that was cool. I saw like the camel rides and stuff. Yeah, there was there was yeah. there was a lot of that going on. It was in this right on the on the water, the place they called the Cornish, um, which is where the big fan fest was. And you would walk for miles. What surprised me was how far away everything was. Really far away in the sense that um, I just meant everything was built uh, to facilitate a lot of walking space. So, for example, if I only had 20 minutes to get something to eat, it would take 12 minutes just to get to the place. Uh So it kind of made it impossible, which is why a lot of people felt like run down because no one was really eating well. It's not that you couldn't eat well. There was amazing food. I had some of the best Indian food in my life uh, in Qatar Um, and and Middle Eastern food as well. But uh, you just didn't often have the opportunity or the time to maybe do that all the time. Um, But uh, to go back to my point of walking through this area... When Argentina played Saudi Arabia, it was that earlier game. And I was in this market, and I had been in a, in a restaurant for a second and, and seen it. Thought, oh, I got to leave to get to wherever I was going to next. Uh, I'll miss the end, and I'll just, you know, I'll hear about Argentina's comeback win. And I'm walking past this restaurant, and I see someone sitting on the side smoking. I'm like, they're, they're not actually losing. Like, yeah, they're losing, man. They're in stoppage time. Like, oh, my God. Really? So now I'm hustling to the subway, hoping to get to my destination, uh, just to see the reaction to it, knowing I'm going to miss the end. I see these four Qatari security forces under an umbrella, and they're watching on a phone. So I go up to, to watch with them. Oh, peeking I, over the shoulder. Can I, just, can I just join you? And uh, immediately they're like, oh, no, they caught, he, he caught us. Right? It slides in the pocket. No, I just, I just want to watch with you guys. And, uh, and that was a super cool exchange, man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we, we, we were just speaking football to each other. They didn't awesome. speak English. I don't speak any Arabic. Um, they were surprised I didn't speak Arabic, which I thought was funny as well. No, Portuguese, man. Portuguese. Oh, okay. Arabic. But we watched it. Uh, I, you know, I watched one of the, the biggest upsets in World Cup history, man. Crazy. It was pretty cool. On a cell phone under an umbrella with five Qatari security <laughs> yeah. forces. You experience any kind of like culture shock going in into Qatar? Ten o'clock kickoffs with culture shock. Yeah. That's for sure. I wasn't prepared for that, honestly. It's uh it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you're just wired. Mm-hmm. And the game ends at midnight and the travel home and you know, I would never get back. I don't think anyone would get back before two o'clock. And if you still had some work to do or things to file or find something to eat. Um, that was a culture shock. Uh, I'd been to Bahrain for the Formula One Grand Prix a few years ago, 2019, so I felt a little prepared for for the region. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was interesting and cool about Doha is it's such an international city. Right. The way people describe Dubai, like it really is. You know, Qatar is made up of 85% of the population or 88% of the population is from elsewhere. Okay, it's a really? migrant worker or international population. There's a lot of expats uh, from the States, from Canada, from England other parts of Europe that live there and, and make it a city as well. So in a lot of ways it was, and I'd said this about Bahrain too, it was like, a, you know, a, a version of Canada in the Middle East in that sense that you had people from, from everywhere. Okay. Uh, awesome. And then the World Cup being, you know, such an international vibe in general too, it, it did feel like a big kind of global party nice. um, that you just won't get now when you're, you know, you've got the World Cup games in cities all across the continent. Um, this, it was like an Olympic Games where you had a whole World Cup in, in one yeah. city. And it really was like a theme park in a lot of ways. You you knew you were taking the, the big long train from you know one Epcot Center to the next theme park, uh, the next stadium. And as I say, with guys doing games two games in one day, I would have loved to have been able to do that. But uh, I got a couple. I got a couple games in though. Portugal, as I mentioned, and then USA and England, uh, which which I enjoyed. A lot of people say that game sucked. Did if you bet on the English, <laughs> but or you thought that, that that was the measuring stick for is England going to win the World Cup? Mm. Um, but I thought the States played really well in that game, and, and I was excited to see a CONCACAF team you know, do well like that. And same with Costa Rica going up against Germany and yeah, man. Spain. Was, Those I was yeah, I was cheering them on. You know, a lot of upsets. Yeah. Now Kaylor Navas is at Nottingham Forest. <laughs> yeah. What a turn of events! Eh? <laughs> you never know where life's going to take yeah, you, right? man. Yeah. But yeah, you said right. you went to a couple games. Uh, a lot of people like talking about like during the World Cup that uh, not many fans in the stadiums. Did you notice that at all? Or yeah, I mean, um, it was hard to say. Well, I described what it was like being in the in the second deck at the Portugal game. Mm-hmm. You could say that oh, you know those, those fans. How many of those fans may have been filling seats? Uh, how do you know those fans that didn't, you know they're they're local people that they didn't buy tickets as well? I think it it's hard to say whether there was you know filled seats ever or whether it was just um the fact that you didn't have the usual traveling support 
like for the Belgium game, uh, my friend who was the the Belgium MC, he didn't think there would be 300 people there. It's 300. This is a major European nation. He's like, I don't think there's 500 people that made the trip. Wow. Um, and you had that a lot, particularly with the European nations. So it wasn't the same representation in general mm-hmm. um, that made it really hard to kind of tell what the balance of the stadium was going to be. Even like Canada, for example, in another part of the world and a, a part of the world that was more affordable or easier to get to, you know, I'm talking about celebrating yeah. 8,000. It would have been 80,000 traveling fans in some other places. You know, I think you're going to feel that uh, in the in the states if Canada gets some games to play through in the states, where you're going to have tons of, of fans making the trip. Obviously, I know that's a little closer, but um, I think that's what that's what made it hard to kind of figure out as well. The Qatar games and some of the A-list or of these VIP games. Uh, felt very much like a Leaf game where yeah. you know, people uh, didn't come back to their seats at halftime because they were in the you know the VVIP lounge. <laughs> That's the other thing. There's different levels in Qatar, right? You can you're a, you're an important person, so you've you've got uh, a nice ticket. Then you're a VIP, which means you got even more special access. And you're a VVIP, VVIP, which is like people can't even look at you. <laughs> they're like, hey, you see VVIPs like eyes to the ground. Like, what do you mean? Like, who's on this VVIP list? Like, do I get an email that says who do not make eye contact yeah. with? It's like Beck comes on that list. Ronaldo's on that list. Anyone that you see talking about Qatar that is an international soccer superstar, Kafu, they're on that list. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyone who would like would be friends with the Emir, they're on that list. Just, they're doing their own thing. Don't bug them. So That's crazy. I didn't have any of those moments. You didn't come across any legends? <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I did take a... I got a picture taken with Ahmed El Mohammadi, okay. who's a legend for me. Um, Being Sport did this really cool thing. Where their broadcast, there was a there was Arabic host always next to an English speaking legend. Mm-hmm. First one I saw was John Terry. Okay. Then there was another analyst that was bilingual. So Ahmed Al Mohammadi did this a lot. And then there was a Qatari uh, analyst uh, dressed in the traditional thobe. And this was the halftime broadcast. And there's no commercials, so they filled entire 17 minutes or 14 oh. minutes or whatever it was in between. And it was it was a rotation of who that English-speaking legend was. I saw Kaka, I saw Cafu. I think Roberto Carlos, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, had, had done one of those as well. I think Caitlin Kyle did it as well, the Canadian, which is really cool. So I enjoyed seeing how other parts of the world covered this sport. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of rubbing elbows with uh, with some super famous people, shaking hands with Ahmed Al-Mohammadi and talking about Villa, that was uh, that was pretty cool for me. Nice. Dope, dope. Yeah. Another thing about the fans... Uh I remember like videos circulating around at the time about uh, apparently Qatar was paying fans to support other nations. Did you notice this at all? Yeah. So, I mean, the Qatari national team, um, they just don't have, talk about culture, um, the fan culture around supporting the national team. They they don't have the same sporting culture that we do here. For sure. So uh, there were reports, and I don't know if these are true, but it, it did seem a, a lot of people believed it that um, uh, Qatar had paid Lebanese ultras to pose as Qatari superfans or Qatari ultras uh, for those matches. Um, So it does feel like those reports, you know, there there was where there's smoke, there's fire, right? (laughs) Yeah, oftentimes. Um, But uh, in terms of, as I say, like paying fans to to fill the seats, uh, I think there was enough interest for for, people to to be there. What, What surprised me was, and I talk about how far everything was, it was very much built to accommodate more people. So I think in, in other World Cups where they would sell 1.9 million tickets, match tickets, but 4 million people would come. Right. Like Germany 2006. So many people went to that tournament that didn't have tickets or had hoped to get tickets when they landed or went with no intention to get tickets. That's usually what happens in a World Cup. Because of the visa process in Qatar and how difficult it was and how expensive it was to go there, you really didn't get, I don't think, many more people that didn't have tickets like oh, at okay. all. So if you're so, going to Qatar, you're probably going to watch a game. hundred yeah. percent. And you, you had uh, for a lot of people, I think most people, you actually had to have a match ticket in order to get this visa to begin with. Mm-hmm. So you they could acquire that. more tickets when you were there, but they didn't, it, you know, it, it wasn't built to accommodate fans that weren't there to go to matches. 
but everything around it was built for that. So these fan fests, the lines were, were huge. You were walking through corrals for miles. I'm going there where that door is, but I've got to walk 1.8K through this fencing that you've set up for, there's not, no, this will never be filled. Like there's not enough people to walk through right. here. Um, the subways were incredible. The subways are so clean. One of those places where you're like, I could eat on the floor of the subway. <laughs> really, eh? Yeah. Not, not like here, huh? Yeah. Not, definitely not like here. <laughs> definitely not like here. Um, and, the, you know, the transit was good. You connect everywhere. What surprised me was Ubers were so cheap. Yeah. I was true. taking Ubers for less than, like, you buy lattes. Really? That's crazy. Regularly. Uh, I was go. I would go eight k. There was a c- couple of places that was like it was eight k, and I ne- I was paying three dollars and thirty four cents for Uber. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I was hosting these Canada soccer parties in this beautiful part of the city called the Pearl, which is like this expat paradise. It's very much like uh, I would describe it as like the city place of Doha. Okay. Um, but well, actually, if you know Toronto, then you 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 get the reference. But it was very much more like Miami vibes. Like mm-hmm. the buildings, the setup. Like mm-hmm. if you live there, it's ex- this exclusivity of South Beach is, is kind of where I'm going with that. Um, that place was like 30k from where I was staying, oh, shit. and I never paid more than 12 bucks wow. Canadian. Wow, never. <laughs> That's crazy. Normalize cheap Ubers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's normalize cheap Ubers. That should be the next thing. Yeah. Let's get a footy culture for our national team, and let's normalize cheap Ubers. <laughs> there you go. You got to start, man. If you got to write this down, these positive manifest, affirmations manifest. every day. Yeah. Put in your journal. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that you had like a like a most memorable moment of the whole excursion? Oh, to, to pick one, um, I think I feel very blessed that uh, I have a few to choose from. Um, I feel like I've told that the story about watching Saudi Arabia beat Argentina uh, <laughs> under the umbrella with the five security forces several times. Seeing just seeing Canada play, man, um, I was pitch side when Alfonso Davies scored that goal. And that ball comes in from Tejan, and I felt like the stadium went silent. Like I could feel, and it was probably just that I stopped breathing, yeah. right? <laughs> but it just, it just seemed like sound. Yeah. that ball goes and it's soaring, and he, he he just hit it with this trajectory, and you could see Fonzie, and you know how Fonzie moves, and you know in like in movies where they slow LeBron down in Space Jam, and he's hanging in the air. Yeah. That's what it was, man. And I didn't hear anything. Wow. I just watching it and it was like I, I couldn't remember being like he just scored. The ball wasn't even there yet. I'm like, he's just scored. Like you know it's happening. And then he puts it in and it was impossible not to be a fan in that moment. Which as like media, you're trained to like never not do, <laughs> no right? Reaction. Never show. The cool thing about this job was I was actually to engage with the fans, therefore it was undeniably that I was also one. Right. And that I loved because yeah, I shot right up out the seat. And the MC though the fan host my buddy Nigel they're not supposed to show any bias towards oh, it at all snap. and he's full suit and he jumps and he's like five foot five uh was a little shorter than me sitting next to me this man was as high as Fonzie <laughs> when that ball went in Just shot right up at the seat Let's and go. goes running down past the DJ booth someone grabbed him and threw him back towards us <laughs> like you gotta stay here man <laughs> and then and I'm getting tossed the mic to yell for the first time at a World Cup men's yell World it. Cup Goal for Canada. That's chilling. That was you. Chilling. That was me, man. That was me. So if I had to pick one, you put me on the spot. That's. uh, I feel like that's got to be. Wow. That's That's stuff you tell your kids about and grandkids. Yeah, you're screaming Canada's first goal. Goosebumps. Wow. That's even like. I'm I'm speechless too. (laughs) (laughs) That's an awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. It was. uh, It was surreal, man. It was. uh, That was the stadium. That should be your your bio for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I said goal at the World Cup. Canada's (laughs) first goal. (laughs) Live. Maybe I. Maybe I should change that up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You also made a Getty image. uh, I made a couple Getty images. Yeah. I know. I was in this. I was in the stands with the fans for Belgium before uh hyping them up before the squad announcement that as i said the canadian fans turned up man and they turned up early uh this is like two hours before the game um so i'm in there with a canada jersey amongst the fans and people are texting me like i thought you were working over there (laughs) looks like you're boozing with the fans i didn't think there was booze there there's no there's no booze in the stadium um but there was booze everywhere like i I, you know if you can get past paying 23 dollars for a pint of guinness which is what i was doing every night you could do that. Um, so that yeah, finding alcohol was not uh, was not an issue. Okay, just stomaching how much you had to pay for it. Right. 
Um, it's like the Uber price and the beer prices were backwards. Opposite. <laughs> they, they so t- you totally knew, like, flipped. okay, yeah. I'm paying three dollars for the Uber, but my beer will be twenty. I knew so what I was sense. getting into. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I had paid like fifteen dollars for a pint of Coors Light in Bahrain. I'm like, there's no way this isn't any worse in Qatar. So like, I knew. Yeah, my first beer in Qatar was a bottle of Budweiser. I was with my Belgian buddy, so I'll get this round. And then it comes through, and uh, I guess the currency was I'm trying to was the currency local. Uh, anyway, I knew immediately. Oh wow, this is this is this round one round of two bottles of Budweiser. It just cost me fifty dollars Canadian. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, no tip. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're at a what's the shipping container stadium called? Stadium four. Nine seven four. Yeah. Nine seven four. What is that like? Because like seeing it on the outside is pretty crazy. But what does it look like on the inside? On the inside, you wouldn't know that it was going to be t- torn down. Yeah. You wouldn't know it was had any temporary intentions it, it seemed um in the sense of like bmo seems like a, a stadium that was built in in stages as right. in over you know across time uh, i would say the bmo is like a lego stadium to me i really felt <laughs> felt like that More. at the beginning yeah. they kind of rushed it they've added to it but it's yeah. but it's cool right and it's unique and it's there's an element to it though that's you know part like a successful construction site and like part architectural marvel um uh and i feel as though 974 inside you would never know that it was being taken apart like that interesting uh, but outside it was it was funky looking and uh you know they've already they've already dismantled it and uh are, are reassembling it in some somewhere in africa i think so. they gave it to oh. some african country well, yeah yeah it's cool it's yeah nice to see it's a cool story that was the, my first stadium I, I didn't actually do a game there. I just did this all day rehearsal in there, mm-hmm. in that stadium. And uh, so, yeah, nine seven four was a cool, cool place. Did you eat any of the stadium food? Did I eat any stadium food? Uh, that's grand. a good question, man. No, I, we we had some like catering during the day. Catering, eh? Uh, but it was no, it was like box sandwiches. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah <so there's, laughs> nothing too crazy. There's nothing like yeah, like a wrapped falafel that was like made in Belgium. It's like uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Not, hey, nothing wrong with Belgian falafels. I'm just saying, <laughs> you're there. Right, that some people got to eat the catered food, the buffet really well, but uh, I feel like I didn't get the stadium food experience. But uh, uh, but you were still you were paying, I would say, our type of prices. I feel like it was, I think I saw sixteen bucks for a burger, which is that's BMO level, BMO right? Yeah, so yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Probably not as good a burger though. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah, that when they when they cater the Western food, it's never as good. <laughs> it's like, and then but there's a lot of people that like. Don't want to try anything local, right? It's like yeah, yeah for you want just, what's f- familiar. Yeah. I was cooking, and the grocery store was cheap, and it was uh, like I said, the Indian food everywhere was was everywhere, and it was amazing. So you could eat really well out there. Where did you stay? Was it like a hotel? It was a condo in a neighborhood. I was in this part of town called Al Mansura. This is very much a mixed neighborhood. There was a uh, people from all over the world. Uh, I lived there, a lot of families, and kind of yeah, what do you say? condo towers not like toronto condo but you know apartment living um which uh was cool to be like in a real you know working neighborhood there nice. was a there was a vibe there is it like a bnb though an airbnb kind of no i was like uh the the, the company i was working with had oh, not the whole provided. building but they at least had a bunch of floors so oh, okay. it was all kind of like a rental uh, uh, for world cup workers okay I, would say, yeah. so I was gonna say accommodation apparently was like super hard to find in qatar yeah, for a lot of people it was definitely, and you had to pay a super uh, premium. There wasn't, you know, there was not uh, enough hotel rooms to accommodate not just the fans, but everyone that it takes to put on a World Cup. Yeah. You think about like media in general. I don't know what the number is for accredited media, but it's, I think it was five figures. It's like oh, you're looking wow. at nine to twelve thousand people accredited to help put this on, so the world can watch it, right? In addition to how many other people then are being brought in to do how many other things around facilitating it, um, the production teams from uh, there was video editors, there was lighting designers, you know, there's a lot of local people that would do some of those roles as well. But you're you're importing a lot of people to be able to put on the show. Even it the really working, is a yeah. spectacle, people, right? Yeah. So, in addition to the fans, it was yeah. I, I met a few people. The I met a few Welsh. Uh, in fact, I'm trying to think if there was any other people I'd met that had said that they were doing that day flight. From Dubai, wow. they had gone to stay in Dubai, and that they just turned up in Doha for the day for the game, or to yeah, for, to to go to a game. They would have needed a match ticket for that. So, I uh, met a few people that had done that, but um, but I'm really glad I got to be in Doha. And, uh, just 
take my cheap Ubers instead of <laughs> taking flights from Dubai. Were the stadiums cold, as I mentioned? Yes. Yeah, man. I, that first day at 974, I was warned, like, you better bring a jacket. Really? What do you mean a jacket, man? Like, it's windy. Like, oh, because we're on the water. And they're like, yeah. And the air conditioner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. So on pitch side level, like, the they have these giant air vents that are pumping out through air all throughout the day. But at night, they would actually turn them off mm. because you didn't technically need them at night. It was just to kind of set the, the temperature throughout the stadium to, you know, uh, I guess minimize the effect of uh, the sun through the day and heating what would be the bowl. So come game time, it was more of a natural reflective temperature. But one of the things that made this World Cup so exciting for us to watch and that com- competition level was so high was because it was cool. Yeah. It's actually one of the on record like one of the coolest World Cups because it wasn't in the summer. Yeah. The World Cup in '94 in the USA, they were playing Pasadena at 38 degrees. Yeah. They're playing in Texas, like that's insane. And when it, this comes around in 2026, there's going to be a huge pushback to playing outdoors in some of these American stadiums because of how hot it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that problem there. They did in the day. Don't get me wrong. There were some day games that were, you know, 28, maybe 30, and it would have felt a little hotter. And, and some, some of the teams that can play, but you saw the competition and the intensity, like the fact that it was mid season mm-hmm. and the fact that these, some of these games were being kicked off in 21 degree weather. You just yeah. didn't have that in another world cup. So that's what made it, it so exciting for us. Yeah. They might have to implement something like that for the American world cup. Yeah. Just because, I don't know, pumping fans, something just to, like, cool it off. Everybody I worked even, with. Yeah. Even had, fans, too, probably were gonna, are going to be crazy just having to watch these games during the day. The fans will be, yeah. But, they'll, you know, they'll have a bunch of Budweiser. <laughs> that, that experience will be different for them, right? Um, but everybody I worked with that had that pitch side kind of office uh, at the stadium, everybody got sick. Wow. Yeah. Everybody got sick at some point because it was just such a contrast, right? Yeah, you wake up true. in the day, it's 30, you make your way to the stadium, it's maybe it's 28, and then you're sitting here in front of a fan that's like 16 degrees. Uh, I think they were all set, actually. It's the, the stadium temperature that they wanted, from the at least from the aircon, whether it was actually like that at the center of the pitch or wherever they were measuring it. But they were all set to 17 degrees Celsius. Wow. Really? So those are like pumping out colder. It if was you're right pumping out super cold air. Yeah. Because like by the time it gets to wherever they're detecting the temperature from, the sun is already like mm-hmm. yeah in the, in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Damn. Yeah, I think uh, might wrap it up there. Unless you guys got something else you guys wanna wanna ask, maybe. Uh, yeah, but what do you? 2026 coming up. There's obviously going to be a lot more for you coming up. Hopefully, you're going to be able to watch those games too. Hopefully, yeah. Scream out more goals. <laughs> I'd love to be. I'd love to be working it. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to. I'd love to be. I'd love to be. You know, hosting, uh, hosting around the World Cup. We'll see. We'll yeah, see what we comes. Definitely want to. Hopefully, by that time, we're all like, we got some good um, push with Team Canada. We're able to help out. There you go. You ourselves. Yeah. We'll meet you down there. Sure. We'll make some content down there, that'd wherever be, it is. That'd be great. Yeah. Get, get, uh, get Kone and the boys on the footy culture, man. That's it. That's sure. it. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, if, if the team has a culture that, you know, meets his standards, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a big if, though. High, yeah. I just want them to have an identity, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, did you talk? Were you able to talk to any of the Team Canada players at all? Uh, I wasn't around the team very much, so I uh, had a few exchanges with them. Um, but uh, I wasn't doing sit downs or, or interviews, so yeah. uh, I got to meet some of the family though, which was really cool. That nice. uh, uh, it was it was awesome to see how, how many family members got to share in that experience. because you know? yeah, it, it was once in a lifetime. Their stories and their experience too, right? Yeah, seeing <laughs> that from as a fan, first family fan perspective, yeah. would be great to hear. Katiba Hutchinson's brother could be his twin. Uh, really? They're they're when you when you know Katiba well, you know that they're not twins. Because of the height difference, right. but most people were stopping uh, Tiva's brother to get <laughs> really? photos, and he says, "Oh, this has the story of here. my life." He's like, "There's <laughs> kids all over Turkey that think uh, Tiva signed their shirt. It was me in the mall." It's <laughs> <laughs> like my brother gave me permission to sign my his autograph, yeah. <laughs> so it's not a plagiarism. Yeah, that's cool. So we signed Hutchinson. So yeah. yeah, there you go. He wasn't lying. He's still yeah. Hutchinson, <laughs> right? There's no uh, no number. That's it. But yeah. 2026 coming up. Canada's going to be looking good. Copa America's coming up too. But um, a lot more exciting stuff to come. And then uh, same thing for yourself. Like, I'm hoping a lot's going to come out with the national, uh, the, the, the site. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, CanadianSoccerDaily.com. Yeah. yeah, would uh, love to find some ways to collab, man. I love what For you sure. guys are doing. For you know sure. that. And uh, you've got uh, a rotating guest of host, too, and your guests have been good, man. So I look yeah. forward to seeing who you guys get next. Keep tapping on that CPL door, man. I think yeah. that there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of movement there, too, actually. A lot of movement, a lot of cool stories. It's exciting, and Even, it's uh, great and successful. Halifax co uh, new coach. Patrice. Patrice, local. Vaughn local Soccer. Vaughn guy. Yeah. yeah. So he's picking up a lot of players from their their team as well. He yeah, got their assistant coach from there. But um, yeah, no, CPL is growing, and then hopefully we can start seeing more teams. There we go. Hopefully, it'd be cool if there was yeah. more teams in GTA, man. It yeah. could be a Vaughn team. That could be, be another. Team. There could be two teams. Another yeah. Toronto team. I would love to see one of the Portuguese teams get involved, man. The way cool. Atlético Madrid did. Look, that would be great. Mm-hmm. How cool yeah. would it be if there was a Sporting Toronto? I'd be sick. You know, or uh, yeah, the Bank of Benfica. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like that. They can definitely yeah. do something like that. Yeah. They can afford it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could. Yeah. It could, yeah. It's Benfica, Benfica East York. You ready, bro? <laughs> you ready? <laughs> but yeah, has, there's, there should be like a Benfica Academy in Toronto. I'm sure there is. Sure, there is. Sure, there is. Sure there is. Yeah. I'm not in that game yet. I don't have, I don't have kids. <laughs> I don't have kids playing uh, playing sports and draining the bank account. I think there was. A, I think there was a Portugal Academy team. My older brother, I remember growing up, he used to play like some like Portuguese like. Was it Sporting Toronto? Rep, rep team kind of thing. But it obviously has an Ecuadorian playing for a Portuguese team, so I don't know. <laughs> but I think there's lots of, obviously, that'd be great to see some kind of next Toronto team in CPL. Yeah, soon enough, man. Yeah. Yeah, anything else you want to plug? No, man, appreciate uh, you guys having me up here. If you've uh, if you've not read D-Row My Life, the story of Dwayne De Rosario, yes, uh, yes, you can yes. pick that up, uh, ECW yes. Press, uh, the 2021. That was my first book and uh, to date my only book. But uh, I know you got a bunch of books on the shelves here. I got to add. Yes. <laughs> I got to come back again next so time, I can put time, it on the time. shelf up <laughs> here. Uh, but yeah, CanadianSoccerDaily.com. That's my uh, that's my new baby. We got uh, the site going. We're tr- you know telling the stories of the beautiful game through a Canadian lens. Um, so it's amazing to see kind of the reaction for you know how many Canadian stories weren't told when I work at the big box and still don't you know make the headlines. But people want to read about. It. We all know that it's there. Mm-hmm. We all know that uh, you know the the passion and interest for soccer in this country is a lot grander than some of the the big dogs in the media game uh, have known or give credit to in the past. So we're just you know looking to shine a brighter spotlight on that. Nice. Yeah, oh, sure. Sure. For sure. Well, it's been an honor having uh, Canada's first and only. Goal scorer, announcer, announcer here. That's it. But uh, yeah, man, great to have you again. And obviously, going to have you back for much, much more. And yeah, the future is great for both you and I and all of us here. Thanks, yeah, boys. Awesome, I think we're going to wrap it up there, boys. Make sure uh, if you're watching the video, like, comment, subscribe. You know who we are? Culture. Culture. And with that, we out. Peace. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This thing is freezing. Feels like you're in guitar. It's like you're in guitar, man. Guitar right now. Yeah, AC's getting you cold.